You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. But it's such a joy to be with you again. It feels too long. Apologies, but it's good to see your faces. And the sun is shining, always shining in Chester. Always. You can grab your seats. Brilliant. Well, this is week four, the final installment of our finance series, Keep the Change. And I hope it's really been uh, helpful for you. Um, And I know for some of you, different ends of the spectrum, some of you have been like, I've heard all this before. And you know what? Guaranteed you will have heard a lot of it before. We do this series every other two years, but I know that God is always speaking new things, fresh things, although the Bible does not change. So the fact is, is that every time we're going to preach and speak into finances, we're talking from the Word of God, and the Word of God obviously doesn't change, but it continues to change us. So this is the fourth week, and really it is a little bit more practical just to help you out. So I want to speak to you, um, give you some practical tips, some things, thoughts to think about when it comes to our finances. And then we're going to create space at the end for God to come and speak to us as individuals. I'm really believing that this is going to bring breakthrough and freedom and uh, it's going to be good. Right, I'm going to start with, we're looking at uh, Matthew 25. Um, and I'm going to read a well-known piece of scripture, Matthew 25, the parable of the bags of gold. So it says this from uh, verse, hold on. No, yeah, all good. 25, verse 14. It says this again. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more bags. The title of the message this morning is Use It or Lose It. Let's pray before we get any further. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's powerful, that it's alive, that it's active. God, I thank you that it imparts into us. God, I thank you that it helps stir faith. But God, I also thank you that it is so practical, that it helps us with our day-to-day lives. And God, we thank you for the wisdom that is in this book that you've given us to help us live this incredible life. God, I pray right now that you would speak to us. Uh, Let us be people that have got open hearts to hear what you wanna say. Holy Spirit, come and do your thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Well, this week I had um, a bit of a dilemma um, because, uh, as you know, I love you. I like to go running. But the fact is that it has been like 40 degrees every day, okay? And I know that I like to be warm. We all know that. I mean, Emily likes the warm. But this is just ridiculous, like just beyond silly, like, you know, this. So I have the dilemma. Do I push through the pain barrier of the heat, like barely being able to breathe and go for my run each morning when I want to? Or do I kind of not and stay in the house where it's like vaguely cool, kind of not really, and risk losing my momentum, my legs kind of working, everything that I've been trying to achieve? Or do I risk losing that? 
big dilemma. Um, you will be pleased to know that for two of the, you know, f- few days, I gave it a good shot. <laughs> and then I was like, this is just ridiculous. And then I get, did a little Google app on the weather. It's like my best app ever. Probably if you did, you know, you can like do data on your apps. I reckon my weather would be probably the top one. I'd just like to know if I'm going to be hot, cold. Anyway, I did a little Google. And on the Saturday, I saw that it was going to be a bit cooler. I was like, okay, I'll compromise. I'll, you know, I'll go on the Saturday. It will be cooler. But the fact is, is that often we're all faced with many things in our lives where we want the end result, we want the good thing, we want uh, the result at the other side of that, you know, that diet plan or that exercise regime or the job interview or that marriage course. We want what's on the other side, but in order to get to the other side, we have to push through the pain barrier. We have to push through the awkwardness. We have to push through in order to get what we want on the other side. And if we don't, and we just sit here, just like, you know, if I didn't run for a week, I'd lose all my momentum. I'd lose the very little bit that I did have that, you know, uh, we have a little joke in the office. It's kind of like the whole thing of like falling off the wagon. You know, we're all trying to eat healthy. You know, we're a bit older these days, trying to, you know, eat the good things. And then someone will bring in like banana bread or um, some kind of, some goodness. And then we're kind of like, we'll just have one. We'll just have one. And then you're like, ah, I'm off the wagon. So if I'm off the wagon, I may as well eat the whole thing. And, you know, the day spirals from there. And we kind of lose our... um, What's the word? Uh, Willpower. You know, it's gone. We've lost it. It's gone. Use it or lose it. And the reality is we've heard over the last few weeks some incredible teaching about finances and, you know, how to live in financial freedom, not being pressured, weighed down with the, um, just the weight of finances that that can bring. But the truth is, if we don't actually do something with what we've heard, then we risk not only just kind of not going anywhere and nothing happening, but actually losing the very stuff that we do have. And this scripture is a really great example of that. James 2 verse 17 says, faith without works is dead. In other words, we can't just hear what we, you know, the word of God. We actually have to apply it to our lives. We actually have to take it and put one foot in front of the other and actually do what the word of God says. These last few weeks, we've learned about how to um, live content. We've learned about the power of tithing. We learned last week from Pastor Paul, we learned about how to be debt-free and what that means. We've learned that God is able. We've learned that God is faithful. We've learned that God is giving, that He is generous, that He is faithful to His promises and His Word and that His principles work. And we've heard all that, but church, we've got to do something about it. We have to put it into practice and actually see um, the principles of God outwork in our life. So I'm just going to give you some tips, really, on how to manage our money. I guess this is about stewardship and about how we look after our things that God's given us. So are you ready? Okay. You can take notes, mental notes, if you're good at that kind of thing, or, you know, good old pen and paper, or just a good phone. Brilliant. So tip number one, the first thing is this, is to understand that I own nothing. I own nothing. In verse 14, it says that the man entrusted his wealth to them. See, we have to understand and recognize the truth is that everything I have belongs to God. Everything I have belongs to God. 1 Timothy 6 says that we brought nothing into this world and we take nothing out. So true, isn't it? When Asher was born yesterday, he didn't bring anything other than a whole lot of joy. But he, you know, he brought nothing. We don't bring anything into this world. Um, I own nothing, but I am commissioned to steward everything that I do have really well. In other words, to look after, to manage, to tend, to take care, to protect everything 
that God has given us. And that's not just money, that's everything. Our relationships, our husbands, our wives, our children, our friendships, the church, everything that God has given us. God gives us everything. I own nothing, but I am commissioned to look after everything that God has given me. And I guess if we have this thought that I own nothing, that means two things. Firstly, if I own nothing and God owns everything, it means that at any point, God can ask for it back. So let's just take a little example. If um, you would be so kind to one day to offer to look after my field children, all offers greatly received at any point, available at all times. So, you know, if you offered to look after them, you took them in for the day, you looked after them. At the end of the day, when I arrive to take home my children, it's not a surprise. We don't have this awkwardness. We're not like, it's not unexpected because they're my kids. They belong to me. I own them. So that it's not bizarre that I would like to take them back. Although sometimes, you know. But the reality is, is that often we get surprised that God sometimes asks for things back. The things that he gave us or he wants us to do something with that that he gave us. But the reality is that I own nothing. It belongs to God, which means at any time he can ask for it back. I guess when we've talked about the tithe, that's the first test of who really, who's, uh, who owns that. The reality is that God owns everything and that he just asks for our 10% back when it comes to our tithes. Maybe he asks for us to um, give some, you know, give generously to someone. Maybe there's a need that he's drawing our attention to. And God's saying, okay, I've given you some resource. I need you just to give it to this family over here or this person over here. They're struggling. I need it. I've given you that resource so that you can bless that person. Maybe it's gifts and talents that he's given us. You know, he's given you every gift, every skill, everything that you have that has, and we'll talk about this in a minute, it's for a reason. And God may be prompting you just, you know, don't hold on to it. You know, give of it. And I love the fact that the guys on stage, week in, week out, are giving of the very gift that God has given them. So it means, firstly, that he can ask for it back at any time. The second thing it means is I can relax. Because I don't own it. I'm not the owner. God is. I can relax because when my car breaks down, I can say, God, the car that you kind of blessed me with, and he's fixing the, uh, the tax bill has come in for business. God, the business that was your idea to start, that you said you would resource and you'd fund because it's your idea. God, it needs fixing. This needs fixing. Or maybe, again, it can apply to the people and the things in our world. You know, my kids or my husband. He's not here, so I can say this. He needs fixing. <laughs> it's your problem. You own, so you can do it. So the pressure is off, church. I own nothing. God is the owner of everything. So I want you to hold things lightly. Hold things lightly because the, everything that you have is on loan. But also understand your responsibility because it's not yours to squander. God has given it us for us to resource uh, it well. Second thing is this. Every pound has purpose. Every pound has purpose. See, the, uh, the guy here was giving them, and it says that uh, he gave them according to his ability. It was given to people on purpose. Um, we just started some holidays in our household. 
I've done three days. Can I get a round of applause? Three full days. Come on. Three full days after seven weeks summer holiday. And we're all still alive and kicking. It's good. But I have spent the last three days just walking around my house at various points, collecting different items for everywhere. You know, just random toy here and, um, you know, a wet towel or swimming costumes. It's been so hot over here. Cups, like more cups. Where, where have all these cups come from? Cups and cutlery and sunglasses. Like every single item you can imagine. And I'm thinking, it doesn't live there. No, that definitely doesn't live there. That doesn't belong there. You know, you move something. No, it doesn't belong there. So what I kind of do is that I do what everyone good mum does, and you take it to the stairs, right? Because the stairs mean that if it's on the stairs, that it's going to get taken back to the home where it lives, isn't it? Okay, the stairs is not the destination, people. It's just a, in transition. My family seem to have forgotten that and seem to walk up and down freely and forget that everything. But the stairs is not the destination. See, everything is allocated a home. Everything has already got a home. They've just temporarily forgotten that everything lives there. So at the end of the day, everything gets put back in its place and I can breathe and relax and enjoy my evening. But let me tell you that allocation speaks of purpose. Every pound that we have been given needs to have a purpose, almost like we have to set it an assignment, an assignment. See, God has loaned you resource on purpose for a purpose, on purpose for a purpose. Thing is, is that when we don't have purpose, when we don't have a reason, an assignment for our money, what happens is that we just go end up spending it um, just free for all. We spend it on unwanted things. We spend it on unnecessary things. We spend it on things that we think we want or what social media says, you need this. So we spend it on this when we don't have a set assignment and a purpose. And really to steward well what we've got, we've got to allocate every pound that we have for a purpose. Um, as a church, we do this. Every resource that comes into the house, we have an assigned purpose that it sets out for. Many of you have heard this before. And just to let you know that you can, everything that I'm saying basically is on our website. So there's loads of practical things. You can find this on the website. But just to give you an idea, so everything that comes in, we allocate 30% of everything that comes into staffing. We allocate 20% to venue costs, 20% to program, 10% to admin, 10% to giving, and 10% to savings. So we don't think every time, you know, we bring our offerings in what we're going to do. We already know. Everything already has a set purpose. It has an assignment to fulfill. And we do this personally. For me and Mark, we do this for every, we have a full um, budget spending plan. And everything in our budget has a line in our budget. So everything that we spend on a regular basis, like everything. We have, you know, a line for the things that I can spend that just for me. Mark has a line for him. We have things for the kids' sports clubs. We have things for clothing. We have our mobile phones, our cars. Everything has a line within our budget. It all has a purpose. We have things for the seasonal things that come along, for birthdays, for Christmas, for holidays, so that everything has a, a, a place to be spent. So it has a purpose. And we really learned the discipline of this, like back in the day when we were on, when we first got married, like seven and a half thousand pounds, our annual salary, we learned to allocate everything to have a purpose. Um, and I think, you know, for some of you, you may think, I haven't got a lot. And maybe that is because God is just teaching you right now um, to learn to deal, to manage, to allocate really good now so that when you do have more, you'll be able to spend it wisely and spend it well. I also learned, like kind of looking back, and I'm so glad we did, that actually um, you have all you need to accomplish all you need. Say that again. You have all you need to accomplish all you need. 
So I want you to ask the question, what is my purpose in this season? And then spend according to your purpose. Spend according to that which you are doing right now. And I think um, a spending plan, really, it's a great strategy to enable you to help you fulfill your purpose. So really, you've got to ask, what is my purpose in life in this season? Okay, number three is this. Reconciling is your responsibility. Reconciling is your responsibility. The master returned to settle his accounts. He returned to settle his accounts because remember, he had entrusted it to them. And then he actually didn't just leave it and be like, you know, crack on, you know, and I'll never work out, never realize, you know, what I gave you actually accomplished anything. He actually came back to reconcile um, his accounts. It literally says that in the Bible. I think it's a crazy thought that one day God will audit me. That's weird, hey? Um, Scary also. But the truth is this, is that we will be audited. We have to be accountable for every action and every inaction. So all that we do, but all that we've chosen at times not to do, that God is actually going to come back and we're accountable to that. Proverbs 27 verse 23 says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. We've got to be accountable for the resource that God has given to us. And with this, really, with Rexar, I want to say keep a good paper trail or a spreadsheet on a computer. Um, Don't just set your pounds to purpose. Make sure that they're accomplishing that which you wanted to do. We can't just set them to purpose, go, yes, this is the purpose, and then just leave them to, you know, free-for-all. We've got to actually come back and go, is this accomplishing that which it's set to do? At the end, um, or once a month in our diary, if you had my diary, you'd see that once a month, me and Mark have a date night, okay? Um, Usually about eight o'clock. In the diary, it's for an hour, usually lasts about three. Um, But this is not for a nice time of whining and dining, unfortunately. No, this is to sit down with our budgets and reconcile. Yay! The joy it brings. Um, And we sit there, I say, usually it's more lengthy. I think he's a bit optimistic. And we sit there and we um, account for every pound and penny that has been spent for the month previous. Like everything. And, you know, praise the Lord for technology these days. I don't even get to walk out of a shop before Marcus texts me. Why have you just spent £24.99 in B&M bargains? You only went in for toothpaste. I'm like, I know, it's the rules. You go into these shops thinking I'll do this and walk out with, you know, I don't know, a new sofa. But um, the, the technology is great. It actually, re- like genuinely, it's so good because you can really be so accountable for all your spending. But every month we sit down and we work out what we've spent. Have we, you know, has what we have set assigned, has the assignment of that pound accomplished that which we set out to do? And it's so important to do this because um, firstly, you can actually see Uh, you know, maybe where you're spending more than you thought you were, or actually where you're spending less, which means that if you look back and go, oh, this worked really well, this didn't work, this definitely didn't work, not saying whose lines doesn't work, but you know, this definitely doesn't work, which means then for the next month, you can then reproject or you can kind of tweak things as you go. And I want to say you've got to do it regularly, which is why we do it every month, so that there's not a massive gap, so that things can't go drastically wrong before you get to the end of a year and go, oh, where did it go wrong? 
if you did that monthly, you wouldn't be allowed to do that. You wouldn't allow yourself to go so far down without having tracked. So I reckon this is probably one of the biggest um, key things that we do in our, you know, in our finances is we reconcile everything, making sure that it's set, accomplishing that which we've set it out for and it's actually achieving everything. And let me just say really, um, I really want to say married couples, I really want to encourage you do this together. Often couples, you know, it's left to one person or the other, but I think there's real power in both of us, um, both couples in a marriage, actually having hold of your finances. And I was thinking about this in terms of um, when you get married, you know, I'm not going to have to hold my speech, but, you know, it's a covenant. You know, everything that I have is his, everything that he has is mine. We are one. Therefore, the resource that comes into my house is both of our responsibility. And actually, that sometimes I think we can leave it to one or the other. We're actually diminishing or passing over responsibility that actually is ours when we come to be a married couple. I think there's so many um, statistics will say that the biggest re- one of the biggest reasons for divorce is because of finances. So I want to encourage you, church, just on a pastoral note, do it together. Because it also means that person over here could be spending, 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 everything's fine when this person over here is trying to work it out. And if you can work on it together, there's got to be unity in your finances. So I just wanted to uh, press into that. Reconciling, make sure your money is fueling your purpose and not hindering your potential. Reconciling. Number four, uh, here we've got save and invest to expect increase. Save and invest to expect increase. Um, we read here, didn't we? The man who had received five bags of gold bought the other five. Master said he entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. If we want to have increase and we expect increase, which we want to, um, then we've got to actually save and invest. This is the whole, you know, lose it, use it or lose it. We've got to put it in. And I think if we don't have plans, if we're not disciplined, if we don't have a strategy, then we will always just continue to spend, spend, spend up to the limit of what we have. We'll always do that. So we've got to make sure that we spend taking time um, to save and invest. I want to say you can do that today. Even if it is really small and it feels insignificant, you can do that today. We've just recently... um, started giving uh, our eldest some pocket money. We've been through this whole thing. And daddy was very much like, you know, you can't have any until you've done my finance seminar. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she was like, eh, yeah, you already know, tie 10%, save 10%. You know, I was, I was like, good, well done, you have listened. And then it's funny because last the other week she's like, can I just listen to dad's message in church? Is that, is that going to be, does that qualify me to have my pocket money? And uh, we thought, yeah, fair enough, you know, listen well. Anyway, but and when we were having a conversation about saving, you know, you know, she's not getting low. She's only, you know, 12, nearly 13. But it can seem really insignificant to the amount she's getting. She's like, well, that's not going to be, you know, what's that going to do, mate? And I said, you know, I only got one girl, bless her, Jasmine. I was trying to be, you know, whatever. Anyway, Jasmine, I was saying, Jasmine, it's not about the amount. It's about the principle. The principle of you saving is going to be really, really powerful. The Word of God says it. So um, I was just talking to her about that. And, and I think for us, um, again, when we look back, I think in 2007, um, we had, I don't know, I think our average income was about 19, we'd upgraded it a little bit by this point, 19,000 pounds, which the average at the time was about 34 people's like, average income. I want to say that at that point, we actually managed to have three properties. 
And that was just, again, it doesn't make sense on paper, but it was because we put the principles in place of saving and investing so that we weren't just thinking about the here and now, but we were thinking about future. So I want to say that it is possible for every one of us to save and invest, even if it is really small. And it really starts with having a goal. We've got to have a goal. Make sure you've got a goal. You can have uh, short-term goals, mid-term goals, long-term goals, things like setting your uh, zero balance to maybe, recently we've done the whole um, setting a zero balance to six months of worth of income so that when things go wrong, that you're not thinking, oh, what's going to happen because you've already planned for your future. You're making your future uh, secure and safe with the way that you live. Um, so I really encourage you, what goals could you set this week? What goals could you create this week? Um, and the Bible, again, it, it's so practical. I love it. It literally tells us and speaks to us how, um, in terms of our investing. Really quickly, let me just tell you three aspects that the Bible talks about investing. You can look at this later. Number one, it's a, uh, make it a priority. Proverbs 24 verse 27 says, develop your business first before building your house. Crazy, isn't it? That's basically saying think, um, think future before maintenance which is not logical in our heads, but the Bible says, develop your business first before building your house. Second thing is this, diversify to multiply. Ecclesiastes 11.2, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. And again, when it comes to investing, there's so many things. Don't just put everything in one thing. There's stocks and shares. There's um, real estate. There's business startups, bank accounts, pensions. So many different things that we can invest, even if it's small amounts. And the third thing is this. Keep it consistent. Proverbs 13, verse 11. Money that comes easily disappears quickly, but money that is gathered little by little will grow. So if we want to expect increase, I encourage you to save and invest. Even if it's really small, the principle is powerful. Number five is this. Fear of the facts will only hold me back. Verse 25 says, uh, the guy, when the master comes back, we didn't read this earlier, but the guy says, uh, so I was afraid I went out and hid your gold in the ground. Love, not fear, should drive us. What happens is when we're in a place of fear, fear freezes us to the spot. See, when I see a spider on my wall, I am frozen. I can do nothing other than be like, babe! Um, and in that moment, I'm just frozen. I can't do anything. Fear will freeze you to the spot and make, make, means that you do nothing. And it actually is the worst thing you, that you can do is to do nothing. Because when I'm stood in the, you know, frozen in the spot, spider is coming closer and closer and closer. Um, but fear will totally freeze you to the spot. I want to say, don't hide from your finances. We've got to be, have courage to face the facts. And I know Pastor Paul has spoken into this last week. Um, and he probably quoted the Romans 4, verse 18, talking about Abraham, where he says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. We have to face the facts. It's the truth, the Word of God says, that sets us free. The truth will set us free. And until we're honest, we won't live in that freedom. And again, I just really felt today to speak into marriages. Marriages, don't hide from each other where your finances will at. It will never be good for you in the long run. It will always cause more harm. And I know it can feel overwhelming and scary and really daunting, especially if you're trying to, and we do it out of love, don't we, trying to keep things from people to protect them. But in the long run, 
I want to say honesty and openness is always going to be the best place where actually we can bring light into the situation, get rid of the darkness, and actually let God into that. So I really want to encourage us, make sure um, that we're not being held back because fear will only hold us back. Face it. We've got to face the facts when it comes to our finances in order to move forward. And the final thing is this, band, you can join me, um, is this... Uh, Expect the rewards for diligence. This is a good one. <laughs> Yay, we got to a good one. Expect the reward for your diligence. Um, you know, the guy comes back and uh, he takes from the person who just hit it in the ground and he actually gave more to the person that was diligent and had invested and that had stewarded well that which he had given him. And we've talked again about the, the tithe a few weeks ago. But it says in Malachi 3, it says, See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. And see, when we're diligent, when we bring our tithe, we manage our steward, our finance, our resource. Well, God always blesses it, always blesses it. And verse 23 says here, um, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. We can expect the rewards for diligence when it comes to our finances. And I think for me and Mark, I, you know, I'm just blown away. We've been married 18 years this year and we've just always, I guess, a bit like love um, Josh and Abby, you've been married and made a decision, had a conversation decision about what we're going to prioritize, what is going to be first. And I can honestly say we've done that for the 18 years we've been married. Um, and God has always been faithful. He's always been faithful, even when we've had jobs and when we've not had jobs, when we know that we've got money to buy food and when we've not really known how the end of the month is going to pan out. God has always been faithful. His principles work. His principles work. And sometimes we've had to push through the pain barrier. Really hot, some in the morning, running, you know. But in terms of our fans, we've had to push through that. We've had to push through the awkwardness. We've had to push through. It doesn't make logical sense. On paper, when I don't have to continue to give, continue to tithe, it doesn't make sense. And other than knowing that we're just going to trust in the Word of God. And every time His faithfulness has blown us away. And I just look back and think, wow, God, you are so faithful. You are so able. The times that when I thought, how is it going to work out? Little did I know, but God actually does what it says in the Word of God. He worked behind the scenes constantly when I couldn't see it, when it didn't look like things were going to happen. And there it is. God comes through every time, time and time again. And even, I guess, you know, just being nice, me and Mark, there's been times when we've not both been on the same page with the finances. But when we've come together in unity, something shifts. Something happens when we've both taken ownership and responsibility and learned to just really resource what God has put into our hands. And that is, you know, not just with the finances, with relationships, with our kids, with each other. We own nothing, but we are called to steward everything yeah. that God has yeah. got given us really, really well. And I'm believing that over these last four weeks, that again, whichever end of the spectrum, maybe, you, you know, your finances are really good and everything's well, but I still believe that God can speak to you about your next step with your finances. Because if you're on the planet and you still have resource, then God still wants to use it. He's still got something for it. And maybe you're at the other end thinking, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know. You know, I'm believing that, again, God's going to speak to you, that freedom's going to come, that something's going to shift, something's going to break, and that you will be able to walk in uh, that freedom that God wants you to live in. Why don't you stand to your feet, church? And we're going to 
spend just a few moments now. I'm going to pray in a moment for some specific things. But I just want, the band are going to play. We're going to worship together. But I really want every one of us just to be asking, God, what do you want to say to me over this finance series? What is it? What's my next step? What is it? What's the purpose for me in this season? Because that's going to help me know how to spend and how to plan and strategize. God, maybe I need a conversation with my spouse. Maybe I need a conversation with a trusted leader just to bring things into the light. So as we worship for a moment, why don't we just lift our hands. Let's just let God speak to us, be open to what He wants to say. And then I'm gonna... Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com.